0: And basically, made me think that calculators are always in our pockets right now, or we have spreadsheets for bigger numbers and longer lists and whatnot. We don't need to calculate anything right now. So what are we trying to teach? And I had four parents in here last week in the evening. And one of the guys in the Air Force was saying, yeah, in the Air Force, we have to just estimate and make sure that our our tools are correct, that they don't need to calculate anymore. And one of the nurses was saying... On today's show, we are bringing
1: on on Matt McCook from Victoria... British Columbia to share his mathematics professional learning journey thus far. Matt shares some of the influencers who inspired him initially to begin thinking differently about teaching his math class, including Marcy Cook, Kim Sutton, and Sherry Parrish. He also shares how he took the plunge to take his professional learning to the next level when he joined
2: our Making Math Moments That Matter online workshop. In particular, he'll share his progress thus far, incorporating the notice and wonder routine, how he is now better mathematizing the world around him to incorporate into his mathematics learning environment, and his early attempts at spiraling the mathematics curriculum. This is episode 17 from Learning to Action, a math mentoring moment with Matthew McCook. Kyle, are you ready for this? You know it.
1: Make sure your cell phone battery is charged up because you won't want to get interrupted. Let's hear it. Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. We are two math teachers who, together... With you, the community of math educators worldwide who want to build and deliver math lessons that spark engagement... Fuel learning... And ignite teacher action. John, can you believe we are already at 17 episodes? I know, holy. Uh, Let's keep it rolling. Before we get to the interview, a book both John and I have read recently is called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And believe it or not, both John and I actually listened to this book in audio format while driving, running, or relaxing. Now you can do that too for free because Amazon's Audible platform is offering two free books by going to makemathmoments.com forward slash free book. That's makemathmoments.com forward slash free book. If you like podcasts, then two free audiobooks with Audible is
2: the way to go. All right, all right, let's get into this. Here's our chat with Matt. We are here with Matthew McCook. Why don't you start off with telling us just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what do you teach, just a little bit about your teaching history too, uh, if, if you don't mind.
0: I live in Victoria or near Victoria. I have three kids. We live very close to the school, and it's a very community-oriented school right now. I would say almost half or even more than half of the permanent staff here have kids or have recently had kids go through the school. It's a dual-track school. I teach in French immersion, grade four or five. Last year, I had my older son in my class. This year, I have my middle child in my class. and wow. My daughter's just started kindergarten. That's so cool. Um, very cool. Very interesting at times, too. <laughs> I, bet, um, I bet. I've taught for this is my seventh year back at this level. I taught for seven years in middle school, and then I had four years sort of jumping around everything before that. I remember one of my mentors, who was my grade four teacher, and then I taught with her. She taught without a math textbook, and it was like, whoa, you can't do this. And, everything. and it drove me nuts watching her try to teach. I've realized in the last couple of years, I've kind of come to that. and It's pretty neat <laughs> to see. I don't think we've cracked the textbook yet this year. I guess it was about a year ago that I, no, it was about six years ago, actually, I went to a math conference, the Northwest Math Conference, and it was really fun. I saw Kim Sutton, I saw Marcy Cook, uh, a few others, and I started buying some of the Marcy Cook cards and think And this would be fun to do on like a Friday morning with my class or something like that. Just throw them all out. Then the next year, it became too hard for the students to do on their own. So I started inviting parents in to help with that. And then gradually, there were some kids hiding in the corners and not doing anything. We had Carol Fullerton out. She's kind of one of the BC math gurus right now. I don't know if you're familiar with her. No, Uh, I'm not. Uh, John, you know uh, Carol? No, no, not yet. Not yet. I think her website is, oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Oh, I can't remember. I cannot remember it right now. WordPress, and she's taken over for one of the other guys who's older. And again, I just the name is slipping right now. Me. That's right. We'll definitely um, Google it. I don't worry. Worry. I wrote her name she, down. On, uh, I'm
1: checking it. She's
0: excellent. And that got me doing some different games. And I had parents come in every week, and we'd do thirty minutes, forty minutes of math games. Kids choose their own games and are all working. And it's just been a lot of fun. Kids whining that it's time to put things away and go to gym. Hmm. So that's where math has kind of really grown to be fun for me here. I've always enjoyed math myself, but it's been hard to teach. And I think being strong in math puts you at almost a disadvantage for teaching math.
1: You know, mm-hmm. yeah, John, I know we've had this conversation many times. I think some of the teachers that I run into in my own district, the ones who say that they weren't a quote unquote math person I walk in their classroom and I just see the way that they break things down. And it's a beautiful thing to see. So yeah, I right, agree. Right. Sometimes it's a better to have that struggle yourself to sort of know where students are coming from, right?
0: Yeah. Right. And just being able to see different ways of doing things. Then I organized another conference with Carol for our school and another one year and a half ago, two years ago. And then read the number talks book a year and a half ago. And that was kind of like a real eye opener with the dot stuff and thinking of my daughter who was a year Mm -hmm. away from kindergarten and just seeing the flexibility, the potential there. And that I couldn't believe that the kindergarten section got me excited. Right. So that's the Sherry Uh, Parrish book. Yes. The big gray one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it's just really started taking off. And then last year I was chatting with another parent at my daughter's dance studio and she was talking about three act math and Dan Meyer. And so I started searching that and came up with your website, Kyle, and had a bunch of three-act math tasks kind of bookmarked for, you know, when I start my multiplication unit, when I start Mm -hmm. this unit. The airplane one was absolutely awesome. I think actually the best still that I've done just because I was able to scaffold it so nicely for the grade four, five level. We had just the predictions, and then I had them draw the arrangements with base 10 blocks, and it was. Super interesting seeing who had come, who had traveled more on an airplane and who had not, and that type of thing. Tells you a lot eh,
1: about the experiences kids have had, right? Yes. Who have been on a plane, those who haven't. It's kind of shocking, right? When they sort of see the inside if they've never been in one before,
2: for sure.
0: Well, especially with the five seats across the back or something like that.
2: (laughs) Totally. Yeah. yeah. Only a few get on those ones.
0: (laughs) And then we just continued from there. They extended it with, we, downloaded some seating plans from Air Canada and whatnot, and they had to group them in different arrangements and different ways and write the multiplications. And it was just a lot of fun. We kept doing a few more and a lot of them were really over the kids' heads and it was stressful. This year, I guess, since the course, it's been better for me to plan and think about where kids are going to, how they might approach things and anticipate that, trying to manipulate things as much as I can. And I guess I've kind of got a reputation here as being a math guy now, and that's good and bad. I'm kind of finding myself almost concerned about getting pigeonholed because I am a generalist French immersion teacher. I'm not math. I teach everything. But, yeah, it's been fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You know, what resonates with me mostly, Matthew, is that your story sounds so much like mine in the sense that, you know, I was that good math student and taught math. It's almost like a trickle effect. And I think Kyle had that same experience. It's like you do one thing and then that leads to another and then that leads to another. And and so many teachers think that when they see someone like you who's doing so much stuff in their classroom, they think they have to jump from where they were all the way over to this teacher who is doing so many new things that it seems impossible. Whereas they don't see the story behind uh, what you just explained, that it was this conference that you went to, which is similar to my story where I went to a conference and saw one thing that's led to this and that led to Marion Small's work and, led to Dan's work, that kind of thing. And and I think where our stories were a little bit reversed is that I just started getting into the kindergarten stuff, like the number talks in the last year or so. So that's uh, been great for me to see well, all that. So it's uh, similarities for sure. Yeah, and it's kind yeah. of funny,
1: like you're saying, John, you sort of came from the higher grades working down and working backwards. Right. It seems like Matt has sort of started from that bottom up, right? Not uh, quite bottom, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could do the grade two, three stuff, but...
1: (laughs) You know what, though? I (laughs) promise you you could, but I think it would look a lot like what you've described here. Like, I'm looking back, I've been making notes as you're chatting, and John articulated it quite well, that it really starts with one thing, and it sounded like you had mentioned, you know, Marcy Cook and Kim Sutton, and you mentioned this idea of these cards and bringing them back, and it was like, you know, you started there. I think the main message I'm hearing from you is like, people just have to get started. And I know for me, before I went to that first conference, for us, it was a local, like an Ontario conference we call OAME. And before that, I just knew what I knew. And that was it. You know, I had no idea that there was this math community. And even yeah. now you're referencing some folks that obviously had a huge influence on your teaching. And you know, now I'm going to go and look them up. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a ton just from having this conversation. So, you know, going all the way back to Sherry Parrish, I know that I was mind blown when I started looking at the number talks, especially the yeah. spatial reasoning. And that led me into like the Joe Bowler work. And that yeah, you know, there's really another one, Yeah, it's like a rabbit hole, right? And, uh, you know, it's a good rabbit hole, but there's... It's scary too, though, how much there is. Right. I think as long as we don't put the pressure on ourselves that we have to know everything, we just have to always keep our eyes open. And when we know better or learn better, then we do better, right? And I think that's the key. It's not that, you know, we have to make everything perfect tomorrow, it's just this slow, gradual process. So I really, you know, want to thank you for sharing that with us for sure. So you've told us a little about yourself. So why don't we go back? You had said, you know, you felt like pretty comfortable with math yourself. So why did you want to become a teacher in general? Like like what <laughs> I know everyone's got an interesting story about that. So what was the thing for you that sort of led you down this path?
0: Well, I refereed hockey and taught skating lessons for a long time throughout middle school and high school and then university. And I was always interested in the sciences and was heading towards a kinesiology degree and then realized I really didn't like first year physics. And so I dropped that one (laughs) and applied to elementary ed and got the acceptance for both kinesiology and elementary ed the next year. And one meant I had to take physics. The other one, I didn't. (laughs) So it was kind of a toss up. I knew I liked working with kids. I did not like at the time the idea of specializing at all. And I'm glad I didn't because I probably would have ended up in phys ed, which is actually one of my top subjects I don't enjoy teaching as much as the others. So, yeah, I like being a generalist and having everything. That's why I want to be elementary. I think I did really like the energy of middle school, but it was time to change. And I'm sure I'll be back there. But with the kids, Mm -hmm. my kids in the school is pretty special here, too. What would you say...
2: I think we always have these things when we have our stories, but what would you say is your at least one or just one big struggle or challenge you've experienced along the way? Of recent? It could be recent,
1: Um, it could be old. Maybe it's one you were focused on and maybe something that maybe you've got your eyes set on, or maybe it's one that you've recently felt like, you know, you're sort of nearing the peak, nearing the top of that mountain that you're climbing. I think
0: one of them is... The traditional algorithm. My first year here, I was writing in my report cards, probably in my second year too, that so and so is able to finish grade level multiplication equations using a traditional algorithm, blah, blah, blah. And then it was Carol Fullerton that introduced us to window methods and area models and compensation and that type of thing. And then the number talks really took it off. But that's sort of my thing is I jokingly call it the dinosaur method with kids and they get a kick out of that like no not the dinosaur not the dinosaur (laughs) Uh, but i've had a few parents get their hackles up about that term and recently i've seen more things coming from joe bowler you know kids number sense declines when they introduce too early to an algorithm or they don't fully understand the algorithm Mm -hmm. and that type of thing and the hardest thing is the struggling kids who just want the answer they just want to know how to get the answer. Right. And that's it. And yeah. it's, well, my dad showed me this, or my grandpa showed me blah, blah, blah. And that's it. I don't don't need to know anything else. So that's kind of my vice, I think.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I think we can relate. And I know that a lot of the teachers I work with all struggle as well, because the reality is, is I think the majority of us out there were taught primarily from a procedural standpoint, right? So we were shown those algorithms and, you know, the ones that were considered good at math could do those algorithms. And really what that says to me is that we were able to sort of memorize steps and procedures and kind of follow instructions. The others that weren't able to sort of follow those steps or jump through those hoops They were left behind in the dust and I think the challenge that you're articulating I saw it in a classroom today where students who have been exposed to it They know that there's an easier way to do it, but they can't do it So they're hesitant to try to do it any other way because it's almost like they're almost admitting defeat whereas if we do it in more of like an inquiry approach, and we take our time to get there when it's developmentally appropriate, you know, students are a little bit more willing to stretch their neck out a little bit and take a chance instead of shutting down and sort of just saying, tell me the steps so I can sort of mimic you and move on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've introduced some two digit by two digit multiplication already this year, which is far earlier than I ever would have before. And just the same way it's, interesting watching the kids figure it out i think i've tagged you guys on some of the pictures of what i've done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. big huge rectangles drawn on the white book charts with dots all the way across and different size rectangles with different totals everywhere or whatever but even had my neighbor's class in to try it. she wanted to do an activity with me and i said sure we'll get 50 kids together and do it and it was <laughs> it was interesting i don't think everyone got it but yeah. i think most kids saw that it can be done
1: Right, right. In
0: a way that works for them, and so it's it's really rewarding seeing that evolve. You know, avoiding that rush to that algorithm, that number sense piece that you've
1: mentioned is so critical. That if I don't have an understanding of composing and decomposing those factors, exactly, without that knowledge at the core, what is it that we're even doing anyway? The calculator can do what the standard algorithm can do, and. You know, I'm not suggesting we never show it and we never give kids the experience of working with procedures. By all means, they're definitely important, but without that conceptual underpinning, you know, really, to me, it's all for naught.
0: I think it was a thread with Joe Bowler again about, and uh, basically made me think that calculators are always in our pockets right now, or we have spreadsheets for bigger numbers and longer lists and whatnot. We don't need to calculate anything right now. So what are we trying to teach? And I had parents in here last, I wish it would, was more, but I had four parents in here last week in the evening. And one of the guys in the Air Force was saying, yeah, in the Air Force, we have to just estimate and make sure that our, our our tools are correct, that they don't need to calculate anymore. And one of the nurses was saying the same thing. The students coming in are taught division using an old school algorithm. She's been practicing for ages and knows the numbers and they have tools to calculate it, but she can estimate to say if it's right or wrong. Right. Right. right like if she right, did a miss, right.
1: I heard Kathy Fosno actually say something very similar. You know, she was saying like, at some point, we're going to get to a point where we need number sense, you're going to be asking Siri, or you're going to ask Alexa, or you're, you know, whoever you're going to be asking on your device is going to be doing the math for you. And yeah. you're going to have to have that number sense to know whether it heard you correctly. So it's not even, right. you know, right now, the challenge is when I punch it in, did I punch it incorrectly? But now you have to make sure that Alexa heard it correctly, because the number they spit out who. Knows knows what it's going to be. Is this even something closer? is this like yeah. way
0: out to lunch? And that really resonated with me as well. And same right, thing right. with the partitioning thing, you're going to have to know how many tiles in this room, how many tiles in that room, different floorings here and there for any real life application of it. You need to know how to break right. it down.
2: And I think it was Marion Smaller who, you know, would say it'd be more important skill to say, like, if you're going to multiply 45 and 57, is it closer to 45,000 or is it closer to 4,500? Like having those estimation skills or thinking about your number sense skills that way is better than actually just multiplying them, if you can think of it. And she's like, I think she's trying to make a case. And this is, I'm trying to quote her from a few years ago, but, you know, like knowing your multiplication sense up to 10 it can go a long way more than just remembering those standards, like stacking numbers. So yeah, yeah, let's, we got to ask this question for sure. Uh, (laughs) What's your most memorable math moment from your experience? Now, this can be from a student like you as a student (laughs) or as a teacher, you know, you would have seen us do this, but we have to ask you this one for sure.
0: Oh, I I think it's, must be either high school or first year calculus. I mean, had I known I could have taken math for elementary school teachers instead of calculus, I would have. (laughs) It was, I think, grade 12 and first year calculus. I would be downstairs in my room and my mom said that she could tell that I was working on math because she would either hear me whooping or cursing every time I did a problem and then check the answer in the back of the book. So, (laughs) <laughs> right. that's yeah, probably right.
2: yeah i yeah. remember those days yeah it's been yeah. a while but yeah. uh that came rushing back for sure i had a kid in my class do that exact thing he was sitting in a, his partner group with his girl and this is in grade 12 advanced functions class so like a pre-calc class and he flipped to the back of the book to check this one and he did the whole like woo let's go yeah. right yeah. and uh, yeah. the girl beside him was looking at him like what really is he gonna do this every time and i think. He, <laughs> He's I hope he does. Himself. He surprised himself that he yelled out that loud. <laughs> Matt, what about your least
1: favorite math moment from your career thus far? So, I mean, you know, if you want to stretch it back to your own oh, personal experience, feel free. But maybe there's one. I think we all have at least one that just comes into mind. Know. So, what are you thinking?
0: Well, that's even harder. I don't know. I can't think of many that come to mind right now.
1: You know, that might be a good yeah, thing. That's right? not bad. That's not bad.
0: I mean, I did have some 43 percentage in calculus and stuff like that. that were pretty discouraging, but those bounced back up to passing. No, I can't think of one offhand. I just. No worries.
1: Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here. And I've got just a quick message specifically for our district level mathematics decision makers out there. Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12, setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait. Head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. Yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, yeah no, no, we can... be... sorry, that's good for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I want to high five you. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> or at least you're really good at forgetting the really bad experiences. Yeah, for moving me, on. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm sitting there struggling for a week after. So I know that we've been chatting for a little while here and it's been an amazing chat so far. But one of the reasons that we really wanted to bring you on tonight was to chat a little more about that email you sent us recently about that task idea that yeah. you we're stewing on. And I'm wondering if you mind sharing a few of the details, maybe starting with the story of how it came to be. I thought it was really cool, especially for those who are listening, who might be thinking about how do people even get started thinking about tasks that spark curiosity, you know, like that sort of thing, that three act math task idea. Do you mind sharing us a little bit about where that came to be and maybe describing, you know, what I'm referring to here? I don't want to ruin the surprise.
0: (laughs) Well, like I mentioned, I have parents in every week for 30 to 45 minutes of math games. And there's one father who's been coming in for last year with his older son. And then this year with his, no, this is the third year I've had one of his sons in my class in a row. And he's been the regular. He's got a nice schedule. He's a pilot. So he's away for several weeks. And then he's back for several weeks. And he's got the seniority. So he's pretty good. He's really involved in his kids' schooling here. He's the guy who's always coming on any field trip, no matter what it was. So we went to a concert a couple of weeks ago and I settled the kids and then I saw Yannick sitting on his own. So I hopped up and went to sit next to him. Concert was delayed. So I'm talking and interested about his experience and he had been talking about flight simulators and what goes on there and yada, yada, yada. And So I just asked him off, off the cuff, like, so how many miles have you flown? How far do you fly? Have you flown to the moon this year? And he tried to think about it and I get back to school and there's three emails from him. One with an image of some app that tracks all his flights through, I'm guessing, the calendar year. I haven't actually seen them since then. So it's got these big arcs going all over the place. Yeah, that image was pretty –
1: it made my jaw drop. Like, holy smokes, this guy's been around, eh? Yeah,
0: so I had that, had the airtime, it had the number of flights. The number of lines didn't correspond to the number of flights, unfortunately, because I'm guessing that several routes had been flown many times. I was thinking, like, you know, how can I use this? I've, I've been trying to spiral my math this year. Whether I'm doing it well or not, I don't know, but that's a whole other story. Hmm. But it's given me flexibility, I think, to take advantage of different moments rather than saying, okay, I got to wait till I'm doing multiplication to do that right. or whatever like that. Or we're already past so I- that, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I thought, how can I use this? How can I use this? I've been trying to focus on smaller numbers in the first term. I started with hundreds then now I've kind of graduated to four digit numbers and curriculum for grade five is to a million. So I need to go bigger. I need to go bigger. And so I'll go back there. But I was thinking, you know, how can I use this? He also sent me an image showing the earth and the moon and talk just the closest distance it is he also said there was some music video that you were playing too. And the music reminded me of this other video and his buddy had done this air transat video where he has pilots walking through airports and then down the tunnel and then down the aisle of the plane and into the cockpit. And then it's takeoff, 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 this cool city, this cool city, air sun in the clouds, everything like that. And then landing. And I have four or five boys in my class that are just nuts about airplanes. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, how can I, I, I saw that video and it's like, wow, they got to see this. I showed them the video, but I'm also thinking, how can I do something with this? And, you know, I looked at his miles and it was something like 164 nautical, 164,000 nautical miles in his year or whatever the totally. time was. And so there's my six digit number, right? Switch that into metric or whatever. And I got a bigger number, find the circumference of the earth, find the distance of the moon, something like that. And I'm not scared now of giving them a huge challenge. They Mm -hmm. can find some way to figure it out. And I'm also thinking, they're never going to get the exact number anyway if I do anything. So I want them to estimate. So I'm just still stewing on how can I take that image and get them to use that, whether it's with Google Maps or something like that. It won't be an easy project. It will be a big slog to try to find something there, but everybody will be getting some type of learning out of it is what I would expect.
1: When you shared it, I was like in awe, going like, holy smokes, uh, the two video clips you had sent, I watched them. And I was curious watching the video going through the airport. It was really cool. It was kind of stop motion-y, not totally, but kind of cutting through. And I started thinking, like, I wonder how many steps in an airport this pilot can done. And, you know, like, you could go in so many directions. And I just heard you mentioning this idea of, like, it could be this... Big, huge project, which I think in an elementary school or even in a middle school where sometimes you have a teacher, a classroom teacher handling all the subject areas, you could do something cross curricular there to like, you know, a big inquiry project. Yeah. I know Trevor McKenzie out west, your way, he's big in inquiry. Like his stuff might be something you might leverage there. But then I'm thinking from Even you could use this periodically throughout the year and it could be talking about those landing clips that you had mentioned like this repeated landing like in my mind I'm picturing like what angle of elevation is this like we're coming in like what's going on there so if I'm dealing with angles I could even just be looking at just that little clip like I don't have to necessarily digest the whole thing all at once necessarily I think it might seem overwhelming at first because there's so many options, but in a way, yeah. it's like it's such a gift, right? That you don't necessarily have to pick up on all those connections initially. It might just be taking one little chunk now, and then maybe you're taking a little chunk later, especially with this whole idea that you're spiraling. So you could do it all at once and hit all these different ideas, or you know, maybe you come back to them in, in shorter
2: little chunks there. John, what are you thinking? Like you said, a little awe and I'm thinking this is like you seeing this and putting this idea together is uh, I think it's pretty cool and pretty rewarding for your students if you get it together. So it's pretty an awesome experience to have that fall into your lap almost. And some of those tasks that we've shared kind of do that. They just show up. And it's like, ah, I got to grab a hold of this right now and run with it. Because for me, they don't just pop into my head all the time. It's only when that notice happens.
0: I don't know if I sent you the video. He sent me another one of them flying from Netherlands or Germany or something like that into Jamaica. And on the screen, it says how many kilometers, how many passengers, how many liters of of fuel.
1: Oh, that's real cool. Again,
0: I mean, this is the coolest dad coming into class. Last year, he had, a or two years ago, he had a group of boys and I had an old bike that they were playing with and doing gear ratios with and then he was figuring out cost of driving to Kelowna versus flying to Kelowna per passenger Hmm. and so he was bringing in numbers that he knew as a pilot and working with these guys and figuring them out and comparing them And so you could take that same problem the givens are all right there and I mean, maybe it's a calculator task, but you're still learning how to apply them, right? Right. Yeah,
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like in my mind, like just thinking the geek I am, I was picturing, you know, exactly how many nautical miles, like you said, that 164,000 or whatever it was and going like, how many free flights would that be on like Air Canada (laughs) or, you know, Delta, if you're in the, you know, whatever program you're using, like there's just so many opportunities. And I think the hook is even just any snippet of that clip could draw students in with that oh, my students whimpering. would hey there math moment makers are you a dedicated listener like I'm talking have you been listening for a couple of months maybe even a couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. And, so and go
0: ahead. Sorry. Just, you mentioned Trevor McKenzie as well. And I'm reading his book, the one he just wrote with Rebecca Bathurst Hunt, trying to use it for some social studies and some collaboration projects. And it's just really neat how all of this suddenly is coming together and realizing that mm-hmm. the React yeah, math is not a standalone thing. It's part of the whole trend with the curriculum out here and everything else. I think I put the other image on Twitter today. Like you said, we're geeks now, right? And just seeing pictures and it's like, bam, yeah. I see how to use this and, So uh, there was a big one my vice principal showed me about a friend of hers who put this Christmas tree, this big, huge Christmas tree in the back of a pickup. And yes i saw oh, that one that's over one. half yeah. it was hanging off yeah i saw that one i put it on the board today and it did what do you notice what do you wonder and of course the kids especially the ones that have looped for a second year are all thinking math it's math it's math i know what questions someone wants to ask and so i said okay well there's more than this here like what else is there and so they're talking about what type of tree is it and what type of truck is it and other stuff and i said okay you have an hour you know we're going swimming this afternoon and we've got shortened day we're not doing this other stuff so you have an hour I want you to do something that you're going to share with the rest of the class in an hour. It can be language-based, it can be arts-based, it can be math-based, it can be science-based, whatever, you have an hour. And I rabble off some ideas, and then they started going, and it was, it was so cool. I had them all working on plays and news articles nice. and every, other stuff like that. So it's, it's just now I can take that in a whole different direction, which is, like I said, I'm kind of right. almost worried about getting pigeonholed here into the math guy. Yeah, but right. to yeah, branch yeah. it out was really neat
1: yeah we're loving that you're getting pigeonholed as a math guy but i completely understand
0: it's a vortex right right? like you said you get into that community on twitter and it's like i have a heavy heavy math focus right now need to find some other communities out there too
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I mentioned Trevor because like John and I have spoken with Trevor quite a few times. I've had the pleasure of presenting at uh, some of the same conferences as Trevor and we've connected over the years and totally respect his work. And we definitely see the parallels like you're seeing between his work around inquiry and just in any subject area and our sort of approach of trying to do some of those ideas inside the math classroom while still dealing with the complexity of the content that's sort of layered over top as well. So He's definitely a resource yeah. folks should check
2: out. Matthew, you mentioned notice and wonder, and you know we think very highly of that routine in our classrooms too. Can you talk a little bit about like what effect it's had in your room, like using notice and wonder regularly, or how regularly are you using notice and wonders? Maybe maybe you aren't, but it's, it sounds like you just it's still did a work
0: week. in progress. It's still a work yeah. in progress. I. Don't yet have everyone participate. I did have a couple said, why are you showing us this picture today? Right. They did those comments. What do you want us to see? And so that was cool. I did exactly what you were saying to do. And just, I wrote the question up on the board. I do it, but I don't know if I'm getting the surprise questions yet. Mm. I'm getting sort of the kids are saying what they know that I want to hear. Ah, So I. Playing along. Yes, they're playing along. I'm not yet getting full bit out of it. There's another book. I can't remember who wrote it. It's called the question. Just make just one change or just one change. It's uh, what a question formulation technique and it's kind of leading in. I think actually Trevor McKenzie said that that's kind of the book that was the transformational book for his, his work. But it's, again, about you ask all the questions you can, hold nothing back. And I think that going into other units in January, that will bring the two subjects together for the students a little bit more and hopefully have an effect on them the notice and wonder bit. Nice. But yeah, since your workshop, I have put in a bigger effort into doing that, but I'm not there yet. As we've mentioned
1: in the workshop, building that culture, it does take time. It takes a lot of, I'd say blood, sweat and tears, but hopefully not blood, but maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe some sweat and tears. Yeah. And sometimes it's interesting because some groups of students just doesn't take long. And then others are sort of like a little more, you know, it's almost on guard, sort of like, what are you doing here? What are yeah. you trying to do to us here? So
0: I have a couple of especially two girls in particular that I've looped and they are just keen on everything. They're really keen this year and they're the ones that are strongly saying exactly what I want to hear. And I think it's almost a negative effect on the rest of the class. So Tone right. them down a little bit.
1: We're interesting. You mentioned about how you were participating in our online workshop here this past fall, and you know we're curious uh, what inspired you to seek out extra professional development, be it online or elsewhere. But you know you ended up landing in our online workshop, so we're kind of curious what sort of motivated you to maybe lean in that direction and then uh, end up getting stuck with John and I and getting stuck with our notice and wonder and all of our other quirks that we like doing.
0: I guess a lot of it was fluke, and then just decided you know what I'm going to put in the effort doing this type of thing anyway. So I might as well actually do the course and commit myself. I'm really glad I did. Going in, I was a little bit nervous just because, like I said, I think I was chatting with one of you before I even signed up about it, just saying that I have a lot of changes that I'm trying to do this year in my classroom. Mm-hmm. I've started the trying mm-hmm. to spiral. I've started trying to use some three-act math. And then I went to an Adrian Gear writing workshop in August. And I was thinking, okay, I really want to change my writing program. And I really know that my class group this year is very different than other years and i can't just do my same old term one term two term three it's not going to go like that so i was worried about taking the plunge and then i thought you know what i'm trying to do some of this stuff anyway and especially spiraling if i can get anything out of there to help me with the spiraling then it's worth it and so yeah that's awesome yeah it sounds
1: like you've definitely committed to quite a few different changes so i can imagine why you might have been a little bit hesitant to take on one more thing but we were so happy to have you a part of the community uh always participating and sharing that learning both inside the workshop, but also out and online and in social media. So it's been really cool to be able to connect with you on those
2: different levels. I was just gonna say, we definitely noticed the fact that you've been sharing so much that all of a sudden you were there, right? it was like, there's Matthew, he's putting a lot of things into action. And I think committing yourself to something like that almost can force you into that action, right? It's like, I've signed up for this, I'm part of it. I wanna put this into action. We definitely think you've done a great job.
0: It's taken a little bit of time with the confidence to get out there and put some things up, but I appreciated all the immediate support from you. Kyle, I remember last year there was a student that was one parent that was harassing me on Twitter about an error in in the traditional algorithm or something like that. And you came in jumping into my defense before I even saw it. And I got a crack at that one, knowing the parent that it was. (laughs) Yeah, so your support has been great. You guys have been really accessible. It's been really cool to be following you and communicating with you so often.
1: We're just happy that folks like you are taking the workshop. That's exactly who it's intended for. And like we said, you're the ideal person, (laughs) like somebody who's there and just wants to dive in and like a geek who's getting excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's (laughs) who we're after. And we're hoping to transform some more geeks out there, you know, so that's
2: uh, (laughs) we'll do our part on that for sure. What was different about our workshop compared to any other PD experiences you've had in the past? Like you mentioned, you know, with the books that you've been reading, you've mentioned going to conferences. Could you talk a little bit about how
0: the online version or our workshop in particular has been different for you? I guess I've never done an online workshop before, at least not more than, you know, an hour at a time or something like that. Not on an ongoing basis. The amount of work that you put in as an individual can be whatever you choose. As long as I attend it, low floor, high ceiling, right? The nice thing was there was familiarity with some of the strategies we were talking about. I don't know how many were uh, the participants were elementary, how many were middle, how many were secondary. But like the area models and all that stuff was something I was familiar with. It was easy. It was accessible. I was able to say, okay, that task there, I've seen that before. I've seen that one before. But that said, I mean, I don't know how many different math task you guys introduced us to over those six weeks, but there's a lot that you have put together. Hmm. So it was really cool just to see those. And now I've got my day book and it's like, okay, Wednesday, three-act math and I have seven of them listed there. And those are sort of like, hopefully I'll get to them in the next couple of weeks or, or not. <laughs> so even that was worth it just to see some of them. In the end, it changed my way of looking at different things happening. We did that Hummingbird three-act math in class, that was one I put up on the board when the parents were in here and the parents worked through it with the kids or tried to right. work through it nice. with some kids. And there was conversations there and it was super interesting. Some kids totally misread 0.5 seconds. They had no idea what 0.5 seconds meant. They thought it was 50 seconds. Right. And ah, so right. they're coming back right. and they're talking, okay, hey, think about a hummingbird. flap your arms once every two seconds. You <laughs> see what that looks like? Yeah. And so they're doing it and yeah. they're like, okay, that's not right. I made a mistake here, but they had no clue going in just seeing how we can use everything and mixing it together and making every moment. Okay. This is sounding too cliche now, but it's (laughs) taking advantage of different (laughs) moments, right? Like some of them matter. Some of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Something right. And making it personal. And one of my pet peeves, I guess another pet peeve thing is that I know that kids, a lot of my kids are going up to middle school and I'm hearing from parents that they're bored in math. They're doing some basic arithmetic and they're not doing much. So, right. I don't know. it's, It's kind of right. You've got to figure right. that out as a system. And like you said, the whole, I don't know, it's almost like there's a whole generation of teachers that have to go through before change is implemented. For sure.
1: Yeah. It's going to take us a while, you know, it's not going to be a quick turnaround, but something that resonated with me from that, and I want to thank you for sharing like your experiences in the workshop, but the one that resonated with me is this idea of sort of changing your perspective, you know? So that's kind of like the big piece that, and probably the most important piece. There's, uh, you know, tons of content in there and, You could probably spend 20 hours each week if you wanted to, like taking it and totally filtering down everything into its finer parts. Could be a lot of value in that. But I think it's just this idea of like looking at math class from a different perspective, a different angle. So uh, you highlighting that, I think is really great.
2: We've been really impressed with, uh, as I said, the sharing you've been doing, the transformation you've made, like noticing, uh, we definitely want to see more of that with teachers. And that's, you know, our main goal is, can we spread this word? We shared some stuff with Matthew and Matthew's going to go share with another teacher, like how quickly And effectively, can we get these ideas out to the other teachers to change these moments for our own students? Awesome. Well, Well, thanks very much, uh, Matthew. We won't take any more of your time up, but uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, we'll 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 keep in touch. Thank you very much. What a fantastic conversation with Matthew McCook, a participant from our fall Making Math Moments That Matter online workshop. We knew from his participation in our online workshop that Matt is a lifelong learner, and this conversation reiterated that for us and those listening at home.
1: Yes, like we've said in the conversation, educators like Matt are exactly who we create and share our math resources for online. It was such a pleasure having him in the amazing Math Moment Maker online workshop community that continues to grow with each iteration of our online workshop if you're interested in learning more about our online workshop that we offer each spring and fall be sure to check out makemathmoments.com forward slash online workshop again that's makemathmoments.com forward slash
2: online workshop An easy win Matt mentioned in this episode is the use of vertical non-permanent surfaces. Well, if you're interested in getting started, but don't have enough whiteboards or chalkboards in your room, consider grabbing some whitebook flip charts. For the last year, we've been using whitebook flip charts as the writable surface we bring with us to different schools and conferences as we lead workshops. Not only are they convenient with Blank white areas on the front to write on, but also, I love this, they have a grid on the back. As listeners of the podcast, White Book is offering you a special deal. You can get a teacher starter pack, which includes a variety of great stuff for 25% off by checking out mathmoments.com. Dot whitebook.ca if you're looking for shipping in Canada. And if you're shipping anywhere else, head over to mathmoments.whitebook.com. In order to ensure you don't miss out on new episodes as they come out each week, be sure to
1: subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform. Also, if you're liking what you're hearing, please share the podcast with a colleague and help us reach a wider audience by leaving us a review on iTunes and tweeting us at at Moments on Twitter. Show notes and links to resources from this episode can be found at MakeMathMoments.com forward slash episode 17. Again, that's MakeMathMoments.com forward slash episode
2: 17. We release a new episode every Monday morning. Keep an eye open for our next episode with Dr. Raj Shah, who will be sharing his perspective on how to make learning math Irresistible! Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss it. Well, until next time, I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And high fives for you. <sighs>